the Prophetic Imagination Station podcast. We analyze evangelical media, mostly from the 80s and 90s. This season is the seventh season, and it's called I Went to the Movies Without You. Podcasters are terrible people. No, they're all great people because I don't listen to terrible people. But some of my favorite podcasters are women who laugh a lot and are loud. And so I'm just like, I like to be loud, but then other people say that makes her a bad podcast. Who like, says that? And then I blast their ears off. Oh, but you edit me pretty good. Yeah. You just need a sympathetic editor. Mm-hmm. Or something. Yeah. That's my life is my podcasting life is full of amazing women that laugh really loud. Yes. And I'm tired of being of like thinking like I'm doing it bad. No, you're Excuse not. Excuse me. I have emotions. Right. And I have compressors to okay. put on those emotions. Okay, I just need to say that because okay. I just feel weird. I laugh a lot. I have, I talk a lot. You you know, you have more the NPR monotone. It's true. You know, and I don't have that. <clears throat> you told me I needed some caffeine. Yeah, I was a little like, <laughs> oh, wait, we're doing a podcast today? Then you, you know, <laughs> I don't know if people know this. I am always begging you to take a Red Bull before we record a podcast. I'm just so curious. <laughs> so one of these days, maybe it'll be like a Patreon goal. If we reach a certain <laughs> goal, you'll like drink three Red Bulls and then we'll do a podcast. Okay. We'll need a nurse on set. No, I think you're going to become psychic. <laughs> so, yeah. You right. know? <laughs> I thought you were going to say psycho. But being psychic on a podcast doesn't make for a great podcast necessarily. That's true. You'll just be able to read my mind. <laughs> Which you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to be in there. Just let me tell you that right now. Sometimes I'm already reading your mind. That's true. I mean, in the sense that I'm looking across the room and I can see your facial expressions. So I'm picking up on things <laughs> that are not being said on the podcast. You know, reading my mind. We are just crawling into the end of this season. I was um, thinking limping. Sure. Was the phrase Whatever. that came to mind. This is the I went to the movies without you season, talking about Christian movies. What a laugh, what a lark. <laughs> Except it's not been that way. Right. Um, shocking. So you're going to tell me about a, a show today, and then I am going to go watch Redeeming Love at some point this weekend. And that will be probably the, the jewel in our... In our crown of this season, but it'll also be a great segue into the season I'm working on coming up next, which we'll talk about at the end of this podcast. But anyways, we're here. Uh, we're Christmas and DL married couple talks about evangelical, evangelical. things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're bad at branding. That's part of our appeal. So <laughs> tell me what you're going to talk to me about. So I do want to say today... Uh, just put a huge trigger warning on this episode yeah. because it is a documentary about survivors of clergy abuse in the Catholic Church. So just know that that's the topic. So um, there's not going to be anything graphic, but that's you know what we'll be talking about today. And so I I did watch this. Uh, so I watched a documentary called Procession. And it was really interesting because it was basically they reached out. There is this group of men 
that came forward in, in Kansas City to say we'd been abused by priests and um, went forward with legal action towards the Catholic Church. And an independent film studio reached out to them and said, do you want to make short films based on your experience? And so they teamed up with a drama therapist and basically they each got to read, they each got to write their scene and either direct or act in it. Oh. And it was like a really, I think, healing thing for them. So where, where did you watch this, first of all? Netflix. Okay, so this is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's a documentary. Yeah. And so it like shows some clips of these scenes they created, but mostly the, the whole documentary is about them making it. And you learn a little bit about their experience of trying to pursue justice, how each of them are coping in different ways with the abuse. So it was... I mean, obviously a very heavy watch. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, like, I've watched, uh, you know, the movie Spotlight, which mm -hmm. talked about this issue a bit. And that's like a movie, obviously, we would recommend. Yes. Um, But I, well, how did you hear about this documentary? Because it Uh, came out last year, right? Yeah. I can't remember how, I think I saw it online somewhere. I'm a part of, I follow people that talk about spiritual abuse, that talk about abuse in the church. So I think someone had mentioned it as a good, good watch. Yeah. It's a good hang. (laughs) I know. Not really. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. Someone mentioned it as, uh, you know, a really helpful thing to watch. Yeah. So what what did you think? What is your... I thought it was really good. It was really uncomfortable. Okay. I'll say that. Um, And still kind of like processing, like, why is it uncomfortable? It was uncomfortable because of the topic, but um, there was the way that the men were processing their emotions felt uncomfortable, too. So just to see someone totally lose it, you know, they're in a scene but there's this guy that looks like Tommy Lee Jones, who's he's acting in the scene sort of as his adult self talking to this priest. And he just starts being like, what the fuck, man? Like, what do you think Jesus thinks of this? And just like gets in his face. And like, you can just see everyone tense up. And then he's like, sorry, I got a little crazy. So like, it's sort of that dynamic of like watching someone's actual therapy experience. But like, So you're a therapist. How does uh-huh. that make you feel? Like, is this helpful? I think so. You know, that's, I think that's an interesting thing. It's not just, this isn't, it doesn't sound like it's just a documentary, like, like a documentary version of Spotlight, but it's actually showing men grappling with sexual abuse mm-hmm. um, that has a religious component. Right. right yeah. To it. Mm-hmm. And that's what was really different about this movie is like, you know, Spotlight Athlete A is a documentary about the women's the US women's gymnastics team. But a lot of those tended the Michael Jackson documentary. Remember when we watched uh, that and that knocked us on our butts? Uh-huh. I didn't actually watch it. Well I did. Yeah. I it remember. Was so intense. What is different for me about this is, and and I watch, I watch, I've watched a lot of movies about sexual abuse, and what was different about this one is usually they focus on either the legal aspect, right, of mm-hmm. like Spotlight is an example of like this being unearthed, mm-hmm. right. Or it's usually about, like, um, kids that are coming of age and realizing they're, they've been abused. The Perks of Being a Wallflower is a good example of that, about a teenage boy who realizes he was sexually abused, but you don't actually see, like, someone, like, 
going through the therapy and healing process or really like trying to grapple with like, how do I express what happened to me? And, you know, so the, and these are mostly like 50 some year old men making these short films about what happened to them when they were kids, you know? Yeah. So I think it's so fascinating because we like to think that art can help and art can heal, but sounds like, you know, your biggest experience of watching this was just like being uncomfortable with Mm -hmm. the reality and I think, I don't know, you tell me if I'm wrong, is some of the discomfort from the fact that it's been decades and decades, right? Mm-hmm. And these men have so much to heal and process from still. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so hard to talk about sexual abuse. It's mm-hmm. so hard to talk about. Um, th- this sounds really weird, and I don't know if I should say it out loud, but like, when we were going through like a foster care training, you know, they talked about fetal alcohol syndrome a little mm-hmm. bit. And I was like, this is something nobody wants to talk about mm-hmm. in culture. Nobody wants to talk about this because it's so overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. The the lifelong mm-hmm. disabilities that can come from exposing a kid to alcohol, right? In the womb. Right. And it's because like, it's not fixable mm-hmm. as our culture wants. And sometimes I'm like, is this why we don't talk about mm-hmm. the long-term effects a sexual abuse on people because it is decades and decades and decades. But that mm. makes it sound really hopeless. Right. Yeah. I don't it think. Isn't. Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say it, it's hopeless. I think it's because of the implications, right? That I think, I mean, it's uncomfortable. It's just an un- really uncomfortable thing to think about, right? In a sense that we actually, this makes sense that we are like, there's some level of disgust when we think about sexual activity with a child, like Mm -hmm. that's a healthy thing. And so of course it's not something that we're going to naturally want to like watch movies about or talk about. Right. But that's also how it gets perpetuated because we don't want to talk about it. Then we end up, you know, avoiding the topic or that sort of thing. I think things like, athlete a or spotlight are easier for me because because it is following the justice legal Mm -hmm. element like i you know i love john grisham as a kid i loved these these books and these movies were like finally justice is brought to Mm -hmm. things um was was there any of that in this or uh it follows a little bit of the clips but like one of the men um, actually received a letter from Pope Francis saying, please forgive me. But then he also got a letter later saying, but we can't find grounds to remove this priest from the priesthood. So you just see like, it's really, um, you know, I, it just in so many ways, the Catholic church is just continuing to fail to address this in a meaningful way is what I took away from this documentary. I really appreciate what you said about that it isn't something that's talked about. That's why, for me, like, so I'm a survivor of sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why I like watching movies like this. Because it's like, where else do I talk about this? Where else do I process it? Obviously, therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and in connecting with some people that have had similar experiences. But... It when I watch these movies, it just feels like oh, like there's like a little bit of relief there. Like it's it's okay. Like I can kind of remember this part of my story, 
Um, so, and the other piece too, relief that is being talked about by other people. Yeah. And just sort of like, yeah, here's this part of my story that I can kind of create some space for that. It Mm -hmm. doesn't feel like there's a lot of space for otherwise. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually I was going to say in sharing that, that, um, Danielle has just been an amazing ally along the way and she's been really great. And I was thinking about that song by Billie Eilish, where she says, I don't talk shit about you on the internet. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's kind of Happy that scene. Never. That's my jam right now. <laughs> right. And that's the thing is like, I don't go around like there for me, there's like the level of being abused. And then the way my family responded was also really terrible. And I don't talk about that very much. You know, it's like in my acknowledgments for my book, I don't thank my family, but it's not like I'm going out of my way. Right. To be like, to talk shit about them on the internet. You would love for them to uh, respond well. And right. You would, you would receive them back with open arms. I think it's really good for just, you know, the casual person listening right now. You know, we have this narrative, first of all, that it's mostly, you know, girls or young women that experience sexual abuse. This also happens to mm-hmm. men and boys. And, you know, hopefully we all know by now, like, it's not happening because of strangers it happens in families and it happens in like tight-knit communities and mm-hmm. so this documentary is obviously focusing on the religious component which oh my gosh hierarchical patriarchal institutional mm-hmm. places are just rife for abuse and I, I still like even as you're trying to tell me about this i just feel so upset mm-hmm. with it, it, in my mind right there's this personal connection to knowing like the impacts of sexual abuse on people. And then there's like the systemic, mm-hmm. right? Which is like, I want to burn it to the ground. Mm-hmm. And I think that's hard. So have you ever watched, have you ever watched a documentary or seen anything about abuse within like evangelical spaces? I, I haven't. Yeah. No. I was just thinking about that. Right. And part of it is because, just because of the way that evangelical churches are set up, I mean, I think that they're we're on the brink of a reckoning with that right now in the SBC. Thank goodness. I know that there's a lot going on there, but Protestant denominations just have not been as big. I guess the ACNA as well, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are going on like right now, like 10 years after the Catholic Church. Right. Right. But in terms of like the Catholic Church is so big, you can point to it and say, yeah, here's something systemic that happened. Whereas like if it's a bunch of independent small Bible churches where it's happening, it's significant, but it doesn't create that same story of like, oh, the archbishop presided over this whole region. Yeah, and we don't knew... even know the right terms. Who right. Because we both come from non-denominational places which are much more fractured the power structure is much more localized so mm-hmm. yeah i mean of course abuse happens within evangelical churches of course right. it does but i think you're right there hasn't been like in media or in like documentaries there isn't the same like framework right we don't mm-hmm. have a non-denominational pope that we can get really mad at you know right. we just mm-hmm. have like i grew up <laughs> my dad's a pastor you know he was not an abusive person but churches attract people right Mm -hmm. if Mm -hmm. who can exploit Mm -hmm. these uh systems that allow for um you know both enablers and abusers to thrive and you know i i've written about this before but we had 
uh, a youth pastor couple. And when I was, you know, in junior high, the man, like one time after a youth event, we were riding both in his truck and he just started talking to me and saying how special I was, how mm. nobody but him could see mm. that, you know, everybody mm-hmm. thought my older sister was the beautiful one in the family, but I was so beautiful. Mm. And, and I, I, I so remember being in this truck, just me and him, him taking me home after some sort of youth event. And I was just like, this is not true. Like I am not, <laughs> this is what's so funny. This is what went through my head. I was like, I am not very pretty and I am not that interesting. I now have to make sure I'm never alone with this man ever again. Mm. And I just made this deal with myself and I, I stayed far, far, far away from him. Now, looking mm. back, it's like, yeah, he was just testing out, right? Mm-hmm. To see if... Mm-hmm. Grooming. It, yeah, he was grooming. And, and I didn't take the the bait, not, not that if somebody did, it was their right. fault, because that's yeah. not how it works at all. You didn't respond in the way he was hoping you would respond. Yeah, I was just like, this dude's lying, and mm-hmm. he's not a safe person, and I will never be alone with him ever again. But it's like... You know, stuff like that just happens constantly in these situations. And we all probably have some near-miss stories. And, and some of us, you know, don't have near-miss stories. Mm-hmm. Like abuse did happen. And, and even if it didn't happen in a church, if you come from a religious family, like what happened more in your instance, right? There's still these same rules, these same dynamics mm-hmm. about keep it quiet, don't tell anybody, mm-hmm. forgive and forget, it was really interesting to see like what sort of scenes they wanted to create. So like one of them was um, just what you're talking about enablers. Um, this, they, they actually hired a kid and a kid actor, which is really interesting. They kind of follow what it's like for him, right. To play the victim of sexual abuse. He's like 12, Okay, but he's at the front with the priest. He just runs away from the priest and the whole the whole congregation at once turns their head to look at him and then instantly turns back and looks at the priest. And he wrote that in to be like, here's all these people that knew what was going on. And they all turned their faces away. So I thought that was like really powerful. That was one. Another one was, um, was he wrote it where it's something that happened to him where he ran away from the priest's house and the mom baked a cake and brought him back as like a sorry he ran away. Um, another one was um, this scene. I thought this was really interesting. Um, he was in this. They were having a review board, right? So the the uh, church officials and the lawyers were there, and they said like, you know, we your story isn't substantiated. And he, that was the one where he lost it. But it was him being like, this is how I, what I wish I would have said. This is how I wish mm-hmm. I would have gone. So he just starts railing at them. And then Jesus is in the room. Okay. Which is, and Jesus uh, is like one of the other guys, <laughs> just this white guy with this really bad wig on. Okay. So it feels really cheesy and intense at the same time. But it was really interesting to me because it was like, you hate these priests so much but I still want Jesus there. Like I hate mm. like the religious, like the religious images and everything, which isn't everyone's story, of course. But I thought that was really interesting that he wrote Jesus into it. Is he is, is he still a person of faith? He, 
he doesn't really identify as that. He um, goes to like the the local headquarters of the Catholic Church and protests like every week. Just holds a sign out front, being like, "The church is protecting child rapists." They are. Uh huh. I mean, that's the thing. And sorry, so, I'm sorry. right? I'm gonna, yeah. I no, no. Like so I'm it's, gonna lose it. Here. It's like really interesting. So he just holds a sign, and the police come and like arrest him. And he's like, "Hey, did you guys?" Every week they arrest him. Yeah, he's like, "Do you watch the game last night?" And they're like, "Yeah." Like they don't arrest him, but they escort him off the property. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah. So it's just interesting the different ways people respond. But what was really striking to me, this is like, it's a really beautiful documentary. I think I told you it was sort of like a photo essay in a way. Like one of the scenes is, I just thought it was so striking. It just shows a garage door and the garage door slowly opens. And you realize that the garage is full, just totally packed full of boxes. And the woman who worked on the cases was like, yeah, this is all the evidence that we've collected and we've had to sort through. Um, to bring these cases to court. And so just pictures like that. But what's so striking to me is unlike Spotlight or these other things, like it follows that legal process. And this has like so much religious imagery around it um, that is really striking. So I think... What do you mean? Like... Just lo- like just lots of fo- um, lots of B roll basically of like stained glass windows and communion tables and just like in fact I wanted to show you this scene I'll show you real quick. Yeah, they've renovated. Mm-hmm. I think those are <laughs> the confessionals are about the same. I mean, I love the columns. I wouldn't have done it, but I love <laughs> the beautiful. What do you think? This is more like the churches that I remember as little Holy Rosary is similar but not I mean look at the windows stunning you can never think something bad might happen here that's the weird part wow is this is this documentary at all about these men finding community with each other yeah, and in fact, the um, part of it, what's interesting is that, like, one of the guys works in film, and he was like, oh, I'll do it for my brother. Like, my brother was also abused. Mm-hmm. And then through the process, he was like, okay, this, like, I'll take part. Like, this is meaningful for me. But what's really interesting is they take turns dressing up as priests for each other to play. And I just think it's just really interesting, like... That sounds bad to me. I know, right? That's what I thought. But they, I mean, you can see throughout, they have a drama therapist there. She clearly knows what she's doing. They have autonomy and they have the ability to Mm -hmm. not do that, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. And the whole time they're always like checking in with with each other. Like, how are you doing? Like, how is this for you? You know? So it is really sweet. And you see that sense of community and like how telling these stories together is really powerful. And I think they also have a sense of like, we're doing something important. One of the guys was like, this to explain to my daughter about what happened to me. Oh, really? Yeah. The short so. film he made. Mm-hmm. So obviously, wow. like really heavy. Whoa. And yeah, you just see all these like beautiful pictures of these beautiful churches. Where and was the, this located geographically? Kansas City. So they were filming in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Is that where all these people are from or they're from all over the US? They're all from Kansas City. Or they were all uh they were all abused in Kansas City. Um, that's where my 
Kansas City, Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri? I'm not sure. Because my mom grew up in a Catholic family in Kansas City. Oh, my gosh. Kansas. Uh-huh. Are they connected? across? Like, are the they cities? just across the border from each other? I think so. Yeah. So, anyway, it's... Wow. Yeah. And so, it's really interesting. Like, I'm like, I don't think... I mean, one, one of... One parish. Yes. Right? Right. Well, one... Uh, not one parish, but one... Diocese? Uh-huh. We don't even know the words. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I mean, this was the most shocking... One, and part they're different of it, priests, I'm assuming. Not the same priests. Right. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. part of it... Okay. And I want to put like an extra trigger warning on okay. this because this was the most shocking part for me. So, you know, skip ahead two minutes if you need to. Um, they spend a big portion of it trying to locate this house. They were like, we all went to this lake house. We were all taken to this lake house that was owned by the church. So they couldn't really access it through the road, but they would get on a boat and just go around this lake and try to see like, is that it? Is that it? But this house was multiple priests would bring boys there for a weekend and they would like, you know, assault the boys. It was... It was, like, planned. It wasn't, like, one priest. It was, like, you know. And so I know this is oh really heavy, but what really strikes me is obviously that's the whole theme of it. And this whole time you just see all these pictures of Jesus. You see statues of Mary, you know. And it just brings up this thing of, like, how do you – how do you st- – stay in a tradition, right? That it has been so abusive and oppressive. And for us as evangelicals, we can be like, all right, well, we're done with this thing. Like we just go and start another church. But someone asked me on the internet recently, they were like, I'm Catholic and Catholicism is my spiritual life. Like the traditions, like that's how I connect with God. And also in the recent past around like the boarding schools um, and native kids being killed, et cetera, like, where do I go? You know, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Because for us, it's like, all right, well, this church was terrible. Let's go to a new church, which I don't know if that's sufficient either. You know, like, is it enough to say, like, I think sometimes we can so quickly disown something without necessarily taking the responsibility for it. I'm not I'm not sure, but it brings up a lot of questions. Um, yeah, I knew, I knew I was going to freak out about uh, this, and I, I am freaking out, Christopher. I'm sorry. It, I mean, I'm I'm just so glad that I that it was made that I got to watch it, um, and it just yeah, it was really heartbreaking. You can talk or not talk about okay, your. Okay, yeah, I'm think I'm thinking about what I need, what I want to say right now because. I, one thing I'm trying to do more in my life is to be honest, like about the level of pain I'm in, like just like mm-hmm. physical or sensory overload or all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like when you when you tell me these things about like it's coordinated priests within one diocese, how many people they um, abused and all the people that allowed it to happen and and even continue to happen to this day, right? Some mm-hmm. of these priests have not been removed from the priesthood, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you lay it all out like that, you know, my honest reaction, because you just showed me one clip of it, which showed this, you know, 
pretty beautiful Catholic church, which mm-hmm. we didn't grow up in those spaces, right. but they are very like, ooh, I love the stained glass, I love the smell mm-hmm. of incense, it's so holy, you know. The thing is, right, if if protecting that church building, that denomination, or the Catholic church, or that priest, or the ministries that went on in from that building, right, if even one person was abused Mm -hmm. like that building should be dismantled brick by brick and every dollar right Mm -hmm. should go towards the health and healing of those who've been hurt like Mm -hmm. there we should not be having this discussion those Mm -hmm. churches should be closed like Mm -hmm. no one should ever worship in that space ever again i love the honest person has been abused in a church no one should worship in that church ever again Mm -hmm. how is that why why is me saying this going to sound so weird to people Mm -hmm. that's what's that's what i struggle with when i'm like Mm -hmm. if you want to know what i honestly think Mm -hmm. well nobody's gonna take me seriously anymore right because i'm saying this Mm -hmm. it should be over Mm -hmm. the catholic church should be over right well i mean that ties dovetails with uh that article recently by Joshua Ryan Butler. Who, Why are you bringing this up? Who we used Bring to, me along with you on this journey. Who we used to go to church with. Um, I thought you didn't talk shit about people on the I, internet. Chris, I'm, I'm bring, just totally kidding. I'm, I'm, I just felt inauthentic <laughs> to, you know, not mention that I used to do church setup with Josh all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um. Josh gave me $10,000 for refugee work, and I <laughs> right. used every penny of it right. for, for good, yeah. And I think, um, not that I want to let him off the hook, but I, I think that I'm thinking about that general theme of, yeah, you were hurt by the church. Well, explain. Why are you bringing him up? Okay. So he wrote an article recently about um, why people are deconstructing. Right. From evangelical Christianity. Yes. Uh-huh. And we won't address the street cred comment because that was one of the things he yeah, said. Is- one of four reasons people leave is because they want street cred. Right. Um, but one of the things he says is like church hurt. And... What I hear in that is this caveat of like, yes, the church hurt you, but you have to figure out some way to heal because the church is all there is. Oh, yes. Right? And that's what it's really... Like, like Kind of like the Mark Driscoll podcast mm-hmm. um, seems a little bit like that from CT as well. Right. Like you can explore the pain up to a point, mm-hmm. but like this is the church we're talking about. So right. that just must be... One aberration, you know, Mm -hmm. and uh, the work must continue on. Right. And I think about this documentary and like that idea of like looking at this church and this building and every part of religious life for these men. They're like, this is so triggering. This is where I was harmed. And so it just leads to that question of like, how can you say, well, you have to come back sometime Right? To someone who's been harmed by the church. Yeah, the reason why these men were harmed and the reason why there has been no justice in any sense of the word is because of the work of the church. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. Right. Mm -hmm. drop. Therefore, Mm -hmm. the work of the church is rotten Mm -hmm. to the core. Mm-hmm. What am I doing, Christian? Why am I saying this out loud? It's a good thing nobody really listens to podcasts because I am writing a book about somebody who's Catholic yes. and who is right now, you know, being canonized in the Roman Catholic Church. And I have tried to put it off when I'm 
thinking about Dorothy Day, I'm just thinking about the awesome little anarchist Christians and all their awesome social justice work. And then the second I take my head out of that, I have to grapple with the Catholic church again, which is a part of my background in a way with my mom. And I just can't do it, Christmas. I can't. I don't want to waste one single second of my limited emotional energy on defending an institution that doesn't care that kids, you know, mm-hmm. are abused. So I think it's just really hard to know how to even talk about this publicly. Mm-hmm. We have not dealt with this in the right way. Mm-hmm. Why can't we dismantle it all? And let these men and, and their perception of Jesus help if if something's going to happen in the future, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sorry. I always just have an existential crisis these <laughs> days sorry. while reporting a podcast. Well, I think this is the existential crisis everyone is having. And I'm still a person of faith. Right. So, like, the Catholic Church, the cathedrals being dismantled, being sold, the money given to the poor, like, none of that is going to impact my faith mm-hmm. in Jesus. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I'm like, yeah, that's what Jesus would say. Yeah. Like Matthew, the tax collector, who, like, you know, profited off of the misery and misfortune and inequality of the system, right? He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, you can totally follow me. Um, that will entail you radically changing your life. And, and you know, mm-hmm. he went and gave double back the money to those he had oppressed. So I'm just like, I don't see anybody in the Catholic Church doing that. I don't see people, um, you know, we can talk about Willow Creek and Bill Hybels. Like, I don't see right. any of that happening in the evangelical world. So, I, I, I'm just mm-hmm. done. Right. And that's the thing is, like, this documentary about the Catholic Church brings up questions about all of our institutions because yeah. we're we're all there. And I think it is, I think you're right. Like there needs to be a way for justice to actually be, well, there doesn't need to be. My hope is that there would be a path for justice, right? There could be a way that the Catholic church or Willow Creek or wherever responds in a way that cares for those that have been abused. And at the same time, that's never going to happen. So then we have a decision to make. Yeah. An interesting thing I've been thinking about, uh, because I know my statements might come off as really strong, right? So instead of like <laughs> dismantle it, it almost die. Um, you know, here's an interesting question that I think about. It's like, what kind of church, I mean, first of all, it's a really good idea to be like, what kind of church do people who've been victims of abuse both within families and institutions like what Mm -hmm. kind of church would they feel comfortable going to right Mm -hmm. um another question i i think about sometimes is like what kind of church would people who have a propensity towards whistleblowing you know be comfortable Mm. going to and that's going to be a church that is very transparent very open very much not tied to their institution Mm -hmm. um continuing on like that Mm -hmm. has to be Mm -hmm. a part of it Mm -hmm. um and that's that's so weird it's like if we're christians if we really believe in god if we really believe in the saving work of jesus like why do we think God needs the Catholic mother effing church, right? To continue <laughs> on. Like, it doesn't sound like you have very much faith in God at all. Right. Uh-huh. If you think that if this system crumbles, mm-hmm. God's not at work in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, newsflash, 
God, is that work in the world? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Doing a lot. And uh, not inside these churches where people are being abused. That's actually um, the work of Satan. Right. So, yeah. excuse me, you need to take a good hard look at what work you're actually doing and protecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think... I'm going to go protest, too. <laughs> You'll join him. <laughs> it is so interesting. He's a guy, you know, in his late 50s who looks just like Tommy Lee Jones to me. Just imagine... Mention that. What a... I know. Just okay. a very striking um, resemblance. Yeah. I mean, what's also hard is that... You know, I was I was just recognizing that sometimes it's like, okay, well, we need to break from that and create smaller communities. But we also know that small communities, you know, also can create abusive situations. It doesn't have to be a big church. If they're a cult. <laughs> That's I true. feel like small organizations that are open to a wide variety of feedback, it's a pretty good bet. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think small and cult, bad. Small yes. and not a cult, <laughs> right. much better. So Yeah, I'm just thinking here about the, the similarities between like Catholics and Protestants like us, right, is um, you've probably been in a spiritually abusive situation that, you know, if there's spiritual abuse, I think it does create a space where, you know, physical and sexual abuse mm-hmm. can also happen. Um, you know, the common denominator is going to be this belief that the mission of your church is more important mm-hmm. than an individual's suffering. And so I just want to say really clear to people listening to this, if you've ever been told that your pain doesn't matter because God's work is more important, like that was a lie. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Like, yeah. Jesus will leave the 99 to find you, to find the mm-hmm. one who was hurt. Mm-hmm. And Jesus would freaking dismantle that church that mm-hmm. hurt you. So that's why I'm still Christian, because that's what I believe. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm never, ever, ever going to be in a position where I'm told my pain hurts the work of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense, mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say? I was we just... go to a church where they're like, yeah. I'm sorry that happened. And we'll just stop. We'll just stop being churched if we need to. You know, it's so great. It's so great. (laughs) I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was just thinking it's been, we've been married for 14 years. and 14 long years? (laughs) I mean, from your perspective. For me, it's been a blast. Honestly. But, um, and, and the dynamics around my abuse and trying to keep, other people from being abused by that same person um, have been going, you've been involved in that even before we were married. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking about like, you are just such a great person to be married to. And you just have really like been really strong, but also really helped me be really strong in terms of that sake of, or that like justice and just like, it's really hard as a survivor to feel like, you know, am I making too big of a deal out of this? Like all those things. And all along you've just been like, no, this is not right. And you should get cared for mm-hmm. and you should be believed. And um, so I guess I'm just telling everyone that you are an amazing person to be married to. Well, thank you. I will say I have a propensity towards whistleblowing myself, which is why <laughs> I love those kinds of people. And, you know, from day one. 
your family knew mm-hmm. that about me and really disliked me. Mm-hmm. And all their fears were correct. <laughs> <laughs> but you're the one that's done all the hard work. You know, you, you're the one that has had real, real consequences for speaking up and, and trying to stop cycles of abuse. And so you're somebody who speaks from experience and... Yeah, I hope going forward, there is more talk about this in evangelical spaces. Um, You're kind of in that like world on Twitter a little bit, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's a lot of work to be done, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And I think think one of the biggest things is, um, is understanding power. And I feel like, I hope that we continue to make steps in that direction of understanding systems and power because that has bearing on abuse as bearing on racism as bearing on all these things and i think is directly related to how we understand the kingdom of god because we need to uh because because if we're gonna turn things <laughs> if jesus is turning things upside down we need to have a correct reading of where things stand as they are now Yeah, I think that, you know, it's always nice if we can add a few resources for people. So, like, I've been thinking about the importance of, like, trauma-informed churches, right, Mm -hmm. or organizations. Mm -hmm. And I think a huge part of being trauma-informed is having an awareness of power dynamics, having an awareness of how abuse works within Mm -hmm. systems and institutions, right? Mm -hmm. And so what would you say, like, if people, you know, there might be some mm. people listening who are involved in churches or organizations that are like, well, I don't want mm-hmm. stuff to keep happening, you know? Right. So, yeah. like, what what do you think? Yeah, I know that uh, Diane Lang- Langberg uh-huh. has a lot of good stuff out there. Um, Wade Mullen, his book is a really good book. It's called What Something's Not Right. Yeah. Here. Yep. Wade Mullen is a person who really um, just helped me just understand like the dynamics. Yeah. It's called Something's Not Right Decoding mm-hmm. the Hidden Tactics of Abuse and Freeing Yourself from Its Power. And Wade Mullen knows this both personally and he's studying it, you know. Looking at how CEOs and organizations <laughs> use image management strategies, mm-hmm. right? And I was reading Wade's book or his research when um, all the stuff about Bill Hybels was coming out. And that has been a masterclass in um, mm-hmm. image management strategies. Don't get me started mm-hmm. on that again. But, you know, it's everywhere. I would really recommend Wade's work, his research, following mm-hmm. him on Twitter, Um also, and, Connie Baker. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Has a book Our called. Our very own Connie Baker. She goes to church with us. That's why we know it's a good church. <laughs> right. If a lady who wrote a book on it's abuse called in traumatized church, by religious abuse. Yeah. If, if the person who wrote a book called traumatized by religious abuse has found a church she feels comfortable at, I'm like, yeah, that's a good church. Mm-hmm. And so she, I mean, so our church has like the double whammy of having Connie and Crispin that <laughs> our pastors are always like, help us. We want to <laughs> make sure we're doing okay. You know, yeah. and um, it's just nice to be asked, isn't it, Crispin? Yeah, it yeah. is. So there are healthy churches. I'm not here to say mm-hmm. there's none. We found one and we're so grateful. Mm-hmm. And it's shockingly easy. You just have to have pastors who are like, yeah. If anything mm-hmm. bad happens, we're done so. Mm-hmm. I think it shows up They're in... They're like, cancel us, please. If <laughs> right. we must be yeah. canceled, cancel right. us. And I'm like, okay, I, I say... will. I will take you up uh-huh. on that. And, um, 
I mean, this is like Kurt, one of our pastors. He'll be like, oh, it's good to see you. And I'll be like, yeah, like, I'm glad I'm here. It was a rough morning. And he'll be like, there's a coffee shop down the road. Just drop your kids off. He's like, don't listen to my sermon. Just go, like, chill for a while. I know. They're so great. They care about people. Yeah. Wow. I went the whole roller coaster of emotions during this. I was like, am I going to start screaming and crying? Because that's honestly what I feel like doing. And I think it's okay to say that again. Like, so much of our life growing up in religion and stuff, it's like, just shove down those uncomfortable emotions. I'm like, mm-hmm. it makes me want to scream and cry and mm-hmm. just not stop until justice mm-hmm. comes. And so I- I'm trying to deal with some of these really big emotions I'm having, but they're warranted. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I was thinking about that. You know, that is what part of what makes this documentary uncomfortable is, you know, watching people have really appropriate emotions. Oh, that's a that's a really interesting way to put it because so. we say they're inappropriate. Uh-huh. That's yeah. a part of the image management strategy. That's mm-hmm. an, that's an abuse tactic right there. So right. yep. here I am trying to say it makes me want to scream and cry and protest. So. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm really glad that we got to do an episode on this. I enjoy talking about it. It's always <laughs> let me rephrase that. I don't enjoy it. Um, I mean, you don't seem like super traumatized. No, I I'm always grateful for a place to talk about abuse yeah. because it's just you know it's something that people generally avoid, and it makes sense why we avoid it, and it's hard to make room for it. So I'm glad that yeah. we got to make some room for it on this podcast. And we're going to just do a full 180 pivot <laughs> next time to redeeming love. Well, I don't know, because from what I have been told, there might be some like weird power abuse dynamics in that. So redeeming love. I'm going to see this movie this next weekend. It's by, you know, based on the book by Francine Rivers, which I read a long, long time ago. I don't remember it. Um, but the trailer makes it look extremely sexy. <laughs> so I'm like already very confused going into this. Uh-huh. This is going to be a Christian retelling of who is it in the Bible? Ruth and Boaz? No, no, no. It's the guy who had to marry the prostitute. The oh, prophet. right, right, right. Hosea. Hosea. So it's a modern retelling of Hosea. Right. And, but it's set in like. The pioneer time. I mean, oh it is gosh. going to be a mishmash of all the worst things, but lots of sexy times. So is I'm this, just like, what am I going to do? Is this like the next step? Remember when it was like, all of a sudden it was okay to drink wine or like wine coolers? No, it's always been okay in Christian romance, which, by the way, the next season is coming. It is Christian romance. I will be explaining all of this in great detail to Crispin. Uh-huh. No, you can't have sexy times. You just have to be married. But maybe married mm-hmm. against your will because God told you to. And so mm-hmm. it's like, the will they, won't they? But they're married, mm-hmm. so it's mine. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> I blacked it out. Now I have to go watch the movie. And come, oh I can tell you. So that'll be the end of this season. We'll take a little break and then... Man, we're getting up for the Christian romance season, which... I mean, really, it is like it's the perfect transition, perfect right? transition um, to talking about these books. Uh, mostly the books that uphold the Christian romance industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, everybody, for listening uh, through our existential crises and <laughs> our all of our stuff. We really appreciate it. You can always support us on uh, Patreon. I don't know. We need to have a good goal. But if we get like 10 new people, I'm going to make Crispin 
drink two Red Bulls before I tell him about redeeming love. Wouldn't you like to hear his hyper, you know, response? You might just fall asleep because we don't know. We don't know what you did with a lot of caffeine. Who knows? Right. We'll, We'll try that out. But thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. Bye.